Which is why this is such an awkward question. Because people will ask, how could you Christians say that other people, you know, Jews or Muslims or Sikhs or Hindus or atheists or anyone else, how do you know that you are right and they are wrong and that they will spend eternity with God? You see, some people will call that kind of thinking arrogant or imperialistic or just intolerant. And when we hear these things, whether it's in the media or the politics or even from family or friends, as peace-loving Christians, we're tempted to water down what we believe, to rethink, you know, is Jesus really who he says he is and did he really accomplish everything he promises on the cross? Uh, when I had COVID recently, I watched the classic film, uh, Catch Me If You Can. Have you seen it? It's the true story, well, based on the true story, of Frank Abagnale, who, at the age of 19, successfully tricked um, uh, conned people out of millions of dollars. And he did this by being a hoax, by being a fraud, by posing as someone else. So he posed as an international pilot working for Pan Am. He posed as a surgeon in a hospital. At 19 years of age, he even practiced law in Louisiana. For six years, he was a phony. He faked his identity. And all the things that he claimed to do, it was a giant hoax, cutting people out of millions of dollars. What's interesting is that John Stott, in his book, the cross of Christ, he says that we are in danger of doing the same thing when we suggest that all ways to God are equally true. He says this, justification, that's God's declaration that we're forgiven of sin, justification becomes a legal fiction, even a giant hoax, a phony transaction external to yourself which leaves you inwardly unrenewed. Are you not claiming to be changed when in fact you are not changed? Stott warns that those who follow Jesus, that if we accept that all paths lead to God and all truths are valued equally, that we end up watering down the gospel, that we change who Jesus is and his work on the cross becomes a work of fiction. Like the guy in Catch Me If You Can. That Jesus' death on the cross was actually a hoax. And we are not inwardly transformed or don't have the hope of eternal life. So today we are wrestling with this awkward question about other religions. How do we still hold truth to the exclusive claims of Jesus while still treating others with love and respect? That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, And so we're going to be doing three things Same three points as last week. We're going to be listening to objections to Christianity. We're going to be learning from God's truth, the Bible. And then we're going to be linking it, thinking about how we can thoughtfully engage with others that God has put in our life. So first, let's listen to some objections. Um, I think the two key objections to the exclusive claims of Christianity is the belief and behavior. So belief... It's the central claim of of Christianity that's the most controversial in these modern times. In John 14, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
And so to say that Jesus alone connects us back to God and that he is the source of true joy and real hope, lasting peace and eternal life, it's awkward in our society. Some people would say it's even offensive. Um, It reminds me of the Oprah Winfrey show. Don't put up your hands if you've seen it. I won't shame you. Um, But in one episode, a woman stood up and on national TV, American TV, she shared Jesus' own claim that he is the only way to God. And I think Oprah's response really helpfully reflects what people in our world think about that claim. It'll come up beside me. She said this, There are millions of ways to be a human being and many paths to what you call God. Her path might be something else. And when she gets there, she might call it the light. There couldn't possibly be just one way. Can you see Oprah's point? People object to Jesus and his exclusive claim because it devalues other people's authentic quest for spirituality. That therefore we should value all truths as equal. Uh, The second is that the teaching of Jesus' exclusive claims leads to behaviours that are intolerant or oppressive or even violent. The uncomfortable truth about church history is that the Christian church is far better and far worse than you could ever imagine. Uh, And people like to look at the terrible past of the church and the evil things that have been done falsely in the name of Jesus, and they like to use that as a brush and paint Christians today in the same colour. And therefore... As Christians, we're called to be people who, yes, follow Jesus, but society says keep those views private. Don't bring them out into the public space. And so our society says all paths to God are equally valid, and religion is good, but it needs to be kept in private and never in the public life. But it does lead us to wonder, then why are there so many religious claims to truth? And Romans 1 actually helps us to answer that. If you've got your Bibles open, have a look at Romans chapter 1. This is our second point in learning. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, Paul says this, For God's truth is revealed from heaven against our godlessness and our unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth, since what we can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. In chapter one, in Romans chapter one, Paul helps us to understand that we that everyone affirms that there is some sort of knowledge of God, that everyone possesses knowledge, that God has created this world so it would display His eternal power and divine nature, and as His creation, He's given us an awareness of this that he would generally reveal himself in the world that he has created. I mean, you've probably heard it before when people look at a sunset and they say, wow, there must be something bigger than this. When people look at the intricacy of the human body and they say, surely someone has designed this. A bunch of years ago, I was at a church and someone who's never been in a church walked in She just had a baby and she said, "Uh, this baby is so beautiful 
that I need to know who has designed it, created it, and given it to me. And so there's a sense, a very real sense, that we have universally that God exists, but we also have an obligation to worship him as God, to recognise him as God, but instead our sinful hearts suppress that truth. So verse 25... They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve what has been created instead of the creator who is praised forever. Amen. That is, we as humans suppress the truth about God. Yet the need for religion and a connection to God still remains universal. And so as human beings, we sense it, we're aware of it, we want to be connected to it. And so rather than listening to the truth about God as he is revealed in his word... We as humans exchange that for a lie. Rather than worshipping the creator, we worship his creation. Romans 1 helps us to understand why so many religions in this world exist. That as humans, in the sinfulness of our heart, we have replaced God with other things. Now, when we think about these other religions... The temptation is in our society is to view them all as equal. And I think they view them all as equal because they reduce them to the experience at the expense of truth. You see, if you focus on experience and, and people's experience of religion, sooner or later you will see a whole bunch of things matching up and a whole bunch of things that, mat, uh, that match up with following other religions, that, sorry, that match up with following Jesus. So there are Muslims who speak in tongues. There are New Agers who claim to have the power of healing. There are JWs who speak about a personal revelation from God. But behind all of those experiences are claims of truth about God. And so while on the surface level it appears that all these religions are the same... They're actually saying different things about different gods. They are suppressing the truth about God and exchanging the truth for a lie. Uh, but And so the question becomes then, well then, how, how do we know that Christianity has got it right? How do we know that Christianity is the one that hasn't suppressed the truth while all others seem to do that? Well, I take it... We know that Christianity is true because Christianity embraces that. That is, it embraces all of it. Christianity recognises that God is the one true creator God and that we are guilty before him. We recognise that we have a desire to worship other things than God. Christianity recognises that we suppress the truth about God's and that we need to acknowledge our fears, our failings, And we need a saviour. And God provides us those things in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, it's the uniqueness of Jesus that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. I want to show you two ways that it does that. Two ways that it does that. So the first is the origin of salvation. If we go to the next slide. Sorry. Philippians 2 says this. Um, uh, I'll start from verse 5. Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ, who in existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. 
Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. To say that Jesus has come as a man implies that he existed somewhere else before. And Philippians tells us that Jesus did exist somewhere else before. He existed with God, in the form of God, because he is the Son of God. The Son of God who was with the Father in eternity past. And he gave up his glory so that he could come to earth in the form of a human. It's not that some human, like you and me, added to themselves the divine, but rather that God added to himself the fullness of humanity and came into human history. Jesus is God in the flesh. We see this in John's Gospel. So in John 3, at the baptism of Jesus, God speaks from heaven, saying, This is my Son, whom I am well pleased. In John 10, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. In John 14, Jesus says, The words that I say have been given to me by God the Father. In John 14, again, he says to Peter, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And in John 19, when Jesus is brought before Pilate, the crowd call out, Crucify him, because he claimed to be God. Jesus is God in the flesh, which means the uniqueness of Christianity The uniqueness of following Jesus comes from a salvation that originates in God himself. God stepping into human history. You might have heard of the mountain of God. Have you heard this in society? When people say, well look, all religions are the same, right? They're just one big mountain. God is like a big mountain and all religions are different paths up that mountain. Most religions, yes, are just different paths up that mountain. Christianity is different because it's if his God packed up his tent and his bag and marched down the mountain himself so that we would truly know who he is. No other religion on earth claims that their founder is God who walked in human history who was seen by eyewitnesses and can be testified to being alive. So it's the uniqueness of Jesus being God that actually sets apart Christianity from other religions. It also means that um, as God steps into the flesh, he steps into the sin and suffering of this world. He said, Eastern religions, um, the physical world is an illusion, and so it's through enlightenment and a change of consciousness that you are liberated from the evil and suffering in this world. In Western religions, uh, the flesh is evil. So through morality and rituals and a spiritual experience, you try and escape the evil and suffering of this world. But God, in Jesus, steps into human history. God steps into the evil and suffering of this world, not to liberate it, not so that we would escape it, but to redeem it. So friends, even though we don't see God's kingdom in full, when we trust in Jesus, we are welcomed into his kingdom as members of his kingdom today. When we trust in Jesus... It means that we are forgiven of our sin and washed clean, renewed today. And following Jesus means that we are agents of renewal in this world. 
that we bring the message of reconciliation, that's the gospel, to a world that needs to hear it. You see, salvation in Jesus originates from God himself, which makes Christianity unique. But it's also the method of salvation that makes it unique as well. Um, 1 John 4, 9 and 10 will come up on the screen. Uh, the Apostle John says this, God loved, God's love was revealed among us in this way, that God sent his one and only son into the world so that we may live through him. Love consists of this, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In other religions, you need to know the truth and perform the truth. You need to love God, love other people, love your family, love your neighbour, love your cat. I couldn't do that. But if God sees you loving him and loving others, then God will bless you and save you. But if God is perfect, it means that his standard of love is perfection. Friends, can I ask you, are you capable of loving people perfectly? Are you capable of loving God perfectly all the time? You see, the gospel gives us this sobering truth that because of our sin, we will never perfectly love God and other people and therefore we will face his judgment. But God, not out of our our great love for God, but out of God's great love for us, he sends his son Jesus into the world. The perfect, sinless son of God dying on the cross in our place and in the shedding of the blood he makes payment for our sin so that when we ask God to forgive us of our sin God can freely forgive us because the punishment has already been taken Jesus dies in our place so that we could be made right with God you see Jesus unique claim in John 14 When Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me, it's based on the fact that only Jesus can pay for our sins, that only Jesus can save us, and only Jesus can bring us to God. It's the cross of Jesus Christ that sets Christianity apart from all other religions. You see, in Eastern religions, enlightenment can never liberate you enough to love other people perfectly. In Western religions, uh, rituals and morality, even a spiritual experience, is never capable of showing God enough love. But Jesus is the unique saviour that lives the life that we could never live and dies the death we could never die to bring us to God. And so in following Jesus... Yes, Jesus makes these exclusive claims. But we don't trust in what we do. We trust in what Jesus done. Which offers us a unique assurance. A unique assurance that can't be found in any other religion. That is that God has done the work for us. God has paid the price for us. So that we could be freely forgiven of our sin. Which is interesting because the world will say that it's often the exclusiveness and the truth claims of Christianity that makes people who follow Jesus uh, intolerant of others and exclusive and maybe even superior. 
But if we understand grace rightly, that salvation is a free gift from God that we don't deserve, then Christianity, following Jesus, has this unique power to break the chains of arrogance. It has this ability to, for us to treat others with love and respect. Because the grace of God says that there is nothing that you bring to the table for God. There is nothing inherently in and of yourself that is deserving of it. It's a free gift. Which means following Jesus, we don't stand over other people and other religions in superiority or intolerance. Rather, we come to God and we live in this world through grace and humility and gratitude. You see, it's the grace of Jesus Christ that teaches us to be humble and thankful to God as we live in this world. And since all nations can be saved through the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's his grace that teaches us to seek beauty and value and worth in other cultures and people of other nationalities. And so it's actually the exclusive claims of Christianity it's, kind of, it's, it's this wicked irony. The exclusive claims of Christianity that Jesus is God on the flesh, his death on the cross saves us, and it is only by grace. It's those exclusive claims that actually makes Christianity an exclusive, inclusive religion. That anyone, regardless of their nation, their language, their culture, can find God through Jesus Christ. So how do we engage with other people about this? (laughs) Um, If I'm honest, this week I found this really, really difficult. How do we thoughtfully engage with people with the love of Jesus Christ standing on the exclusive claims of Jesus Christ? Um, I think Paul in Romans 1 helps us out. So if you've got it open, let's jump back to Romans chapter 1 just quickly. Romans chapter 1, have a look at verse 14 and 15 with me. Romans 1, 14 and 15, Paul says, I am obliged both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So Paul looks around at the world, and in the first century it was a pluralistic world just like today. There were gods and idols and uh, other religions, um, spirituality all around the Roman Empire. <clears throat> and he feels an obligation to tell other people about Jesus. What's interesting is it's actually not the other people's nationalities and it's not the roadblock and it's not the other religions that are roadblocks to him sharing his faith. Why? Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of salvation for everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then the Greek. For in, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteousness will live in faith. And so when Paul looks around, when Paul encounters people from all ends of the Roman Empire, he doesn't see Greeks or barbarians, he doesn't see wise or foolish, he sees souls that will one day stand before a holy and righteous God. And he understands intimately the power of the gospel because it has transformed his life. 
and therefore he has confidence to share the gospel of Jesus. Not a confidence that comes in and of himself, but a confidence in the power of the gospel to transform people's lives. Excuse me. So how do we thoughtfully engage with other people um, with the exclusive claims of Jesus? I take it then that we grow in our confidence of the gospel, that we don't keep our faith private but public in a loving and respectful way, thoughtfully engaging with people that God has put in our life. How do we do that? I think it means not, um, not giving in to the religious debates. Um, I don't know about you, but I've got a couple of friends who love to bait me. Do you have this? Where they'll see something on the news and they'll about some sort of re- uh, about Christianity or religion or people doing bad things, and they'll ask me about that. Not because they're generally interested, but because they, you know, want to get a rise out of me. They'll ask me about, you know, have I seen, have I read this latest book or seen this latest movie, and what do I think? Uh, and I, I, I need to keep reminding myself that if the power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, I need to not get baited into those arguments. And just share the exclusiveness of Jesus with them. That is, if the thing that separates Christianity from all other religions is Jesus, then I just need people to hear about Jesus and fall in love with Jesus. Not to try and convince them to a particular um, worldview, whether that be progressive or conservative. Not to try and convince them to a, a political mindset but to share the love of Christ and the hope of the gospel with them and pray that God would give me the courage to speak and the wisdom in knowing when to do so so that, our, so that these exclusive claims that Jesus make that bring hope and life and peace and eternal life would not just be something that we keep private to ourselves but we share it with the people that God has put in our lives. That's not easy to do, but how about I pray that God would help us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father and gracious God, I want to thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you stepped into human history, God in the flesh, so that we may know you and have confidence in you. And thank you that um, for your Son Jesus and his death on the cross, And that you have made a way for us to be right with you. And so this morning, we thank you for the grace of Jesus. And we pray that the grace of Jesus would help us to not see ourselves as superior to others, but through humility uh, and love uh, and respect, that we would have hearts of gratitude towards you and that this would compel us to share your gospel with other people not out of arrogance or superiority, but out of love, gentleness and respect, so they may hear the good news of Jesus, turn and believe. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.